You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WCMJ. This is a sports podcast based that talks about NBA, football, and anything else that can come to the sports fan mind. We stick to the educated and the diehard fans, as well as the casual listener as well. Our show is brought to you by New Taylor & Associates, located at newlawoffice.com. You can also check out our wonderful sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Strip Cam Fun also helps bring you this podcast, as well as our sponsors at Stay Classy Meats, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order of the freshest meat available in the United States. Now, let's take it over to our host. Here's Nate and Tim bringing you this week's edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. It's a wide men world and we're just living in it. Wide men world and we're back this week. I don't know if you guys know this. I made that up myself. Welcome back. It's Wide Men Can't Jump. I promise I won't sing much anymore. All right. Joining me as always... The man from so far north that only Santa Claus knows where it is. He's surrounded by polar bears, penguins, and moose. And I'm not talking about my dog either. It's the man, the myth, the Yukon legend himself, Tim Dombrova. I listen to Nate Bush order through a drive through a Taco Bell. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yes, <laughs> More you than did. once. I don't live uh, in the You heard me order from Taco Bell probably more than anybody, including <laughs> including ex girlfriends. I don't know a, if that's something that really I, uh, is that a badge of honor or. I mean, it shows that we probably yeah, right. talk way too much. I was gonna say that it might say something about how much free time we have and how and how we need to make new friends. Speaking <laughs> of new friends, ladies and gentlemen, back another week. He, he keeps claiming he's overstaying his welcome, even though we keep welcoming him back with open arms. The man, the myth, the unknown parts legend, because he's from parts unknown. It's Jeff. Welcome back, Jeff. I feel like I'm Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy. What, you're, you're monotone and uninteresting? There you go. <laughs> you know, I thought Rodgers has got a really cool personality. It's just he's really dry, and I don't think his run on, on Jeopardy is, was one of my favorites. No, I, I have to concur, and I have to wonder if they either told him to tone it down, and if they didn't, why somebody didn't tell him to turn it up a notch, because he was pretty boring. Hey, he was just so monotone, you know? It was just like, yeah, he, ha- he, he would make a couple of jokes here and there, and he would say some things, and they would be witty, and they would be funny, but it was just like... He seemed incredibly indifferent about the whole situation. Jeff, you, you, did you watch him any? I watched him two or three different times, and uh, you know, I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, I'm not saying he did bad, but uh, like you said, it's and I think it was time to go. But and there's also uh, I don't know if you all have heard, but the God, <laughs> time yeah, to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> NBC's flirting with the idea to get a sports announcer on there right now Me? from a rival uh, from rival shows. Really? A sports announcer from rival shows of what? Of, well, of I mean, like, like Joe Buck? 
It is Joe Buck. That is Joe Buck. That's correct. Wow. I mean, when I think sports announcer, that's the first thing that comes to mind, really, is Joe Buck. I mean, he does it all, really. I mean, World Series, NFL playoffs, he's done Super Bowls. I don't know. I always think Chris Kidd myself. Chris Kidd's not bad. Only guy I know that can do play-by-play and color in the same game. I love Chris. (laughs) I've gotten used to working with Chris. Chris is, uh, I don't know, we feed off each other pretty well. So, been working with him now for like five years. I still oh, I think, think it's got to be Ken Jennings. And he's that, was my, that was my uh, pick, was I thought he's, Jennings did the best. To me, he's the only guy that even stands a chance of standing in the shadow of Alex Trebek. Anyone else is just going to get crucified. You know, a lot of people were saying yeah. they like that executive producer guy. I didn't really, I didn't really he was go to right. him. He was okay, but Doctor Oz, I didn't like. No, me neither, and I don't care for Anderson Cooper either. I really didn't like Katie Couric, and she, yeah, I didn't care for her either. But it takes. I, I mean, actually, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. That's okay. Go I ahead. said I could actually see uh, Joe Buck working out. I won't know okay. until I see till I hear him do it because you don't visually it does, doesn't matter because you don't yeah. really see them much. I mean, you can look like me and do it. It's not yeah. That big so a it's more the it's more the cadence and how they read the questions. Now, one that's, thing I'll, I'll tell I'll, I'll say about everybody that's actually hosted the show. Each episode they've gotten better from where they started. If that makes sense, like. Aaron Rodgers was completely better than he was when he first started by the end of his two weeks. It's got to be a pretty daunting task if you stop to think even for a moment of what it is you're about to do there. You're following a not only a guy who... Yeah, and a guy who did it forever and then died on top of it. He just didn't, like, retire or something like that. You know, I wouldn't want to do it. It would be tough. It would be very tough. And that's, um, that, that's the reason I like Jennings, too, is because at least when he's doing it, I don't feel like... Sometimes I get the forced feelings of when they somebody answers and they go, no, incorrect. And I'm like, yeah, but when Ken says that, it's because he knows the answer. <laughs> most of the time, yes. Most of the time, he already probably uh, knows I'll it. tell you somebody who I think would actually do a nice job with it. And the reason I say this is because I've watched her work on other game shows where she's the host is Brooke Burns. Now, if you've never seen her, she hosts the uh, game show, the chase, which is a good show. And she's also the game, the game show host of masterminds, which Ken Jennings was actually on. Uh, And she does a really good job. I think she would do, uh, if you don't remember, if if you want to remember, she was in the movie shallow Hal. uh, so they they had her in that movie. She was the good-looking version of yes, yes. She's of what very, saw. Okay. Yes, yes, that's her. She's actually a very good game show host. I uh, I highly recommend checking out her show. I think she would actually be a good host for Jeopardy. Of course, we watch a lot of game shows here, so uh, as long as they don't put Pat Sajak there, I think we'll be okay. Oh, I thought you said Brooke Burke. I said all right. <laughs> it's Brooke Burns, but. Uh, okay. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at Brooke Burke either, truthfully. <laughs> now, what about Danhausen? Uh, Danhausen would be the best. He would be an award I would have, winner. 
Dan Housen should be on only to read the categories. <laughs> Actually, he should take over when Johnny Gilbert dies. <laughs> this, this. this is Dan Housen, uh, now you're watching uh, Jeopardy Housen, and uh, you have very nice, wrong very evil. Once, twice, and, uh, and here's yes. your host uh, this week. Uh, uh, this is uh, Ken Jennings Housen. Uh, go ahead, Ken. <laughs> Jennings Housen. <laughs> oh, very nice, very evil. The pop culture phenomenon of Dan Housen. Speaking of Dan Housen, before we go any further... Um, Tim and I have become, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan and, and you follow ring of honor or, or the wrestling scene, Dan Housen has become kind of pseudo celebrity and Tim and I have both been along for the ride and we love, we love us some Dan Housen. He's I have become a hoser Housen. Yes. I mean, he's absolutely hilarious and incredibly entertaining. And we discovered him through the Jim Cornette podcast. And we, we dove even more into it. And this dude is great. Just some of the things he can come up with and do. And so Tim and I, I bought a cameo from Dan Housen. And Tim and I just got the biggest kick out of it because it was so funny. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to go ahead and air this cameo that we received from Dan Housen. The cameo, what I sent him was, um, I told him that, you know, because this was the time Tim was sick and had been fighting uh, an illness, so I wanted to be give a, a thankful, I'm thankful for Tim and what he does here on the show. So that was, uh, it was to give thanks. So Dan Housen did this cameo, and he got it back to me within 24 hours. It was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, I sent it over to Tim, and, and were you satisfied, Tim? Let's just say that for the price of the cameo, yeah, twenty bucks. I, I have got that down to about I don't know a quarter of a cent per listen. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> we've both checked it out a lot, but we're not going to let you hear it. So check it out. Here's our cameo from Dan Housen. Hello, yes, this is to give thanks. It says a little square on the piece of paper on the telephone says give thanks. This is from Nathan Housen, who is summoned Dan Housen today to say hello to Tim Housen. Tim is a podcast co-host. Just feeling better from illness. Very nice. Big fan housing of Dan Housen's. Who isn't? This will cheer him up. Ooh, very good. Let him know I'm thankful for all he does on his podcast. Wide men can't jump. Tell him a funny evil story. What the hell is this? Now Dan Housen was filming Review Housing with Dan Housen earlier, and a cat fell from the ceiling. It's quite evil, because it disrupted Dan Housen's ways of making monies. Cat at all times could fall from the ceilings here. It's not good. Anyways, hope that was evil enough for you. If not, no Brian's head. Hello. All right. See you later. And that's our cameo from Dan Housen there. Uh, very nice, very evil, as he would say. And who and who isn't? <laughs> and who isn't? <laughs> and Jeff's sitting there going, I have no idea what you guys are talking about because when we record this, he can't hear it because we edit it in later. So he's sitting there going, yeah, that was cool. Well, that was <laughs> awesome, guys. You guys all... <laughs> that, was like, that was like high-pitched audio. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> so... Let's uh, let's talk about something that we we talked about last week because this is something that a lot of people have brought up. Tim, you you made an argument here, kind of about this the other night, 
so we talked about Julian Edelman last week and how we think he should or shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame and who are some guys that should be in over him and and all that. So the argument was for a lot of us, you know, he play he didn't play enough, maybe in some stances. Uh he was great with, you know, New England. But we said there needed to be other guys go in before him was kind of our, our argument for Edelman. Now, Tim, somebody else raised an argument. Was it you? That, that no, raised- Nick. Okay, Nick. So Nick Hoff raised the argument to you. And right. why don't you go ahead and share that, and we'll, and we'll discuss. Well, it, it wasn't so much an argument. It was just, okay, that Calvin Johnson is in the Hall of Fame, first ballot. Okay. And he, and he only played eight years. Never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he was a beast, but is you know, is he another guy that maybe he gets there eventually? But compared to some of the other guys that we talked about that weren't in, they certainly had better stats, longer careers, quite a few of them. So the argument could be, I mean, there are a few guys that statistically, I mean, does Calvin Johnson match up to, like, could you make the comparison to Edelman or not? Jeff, I'm going to let you take that one. I believe he, I believe he did get voted in, right? Yeah, he, he's in. Yeah, yeah. yeah Johnson okay. is in. So if he's in, why is why why the resistance on Edelman then? Well, I mean, talent-wise, I believe Calvin Johnson's a lot a lot better player myself. I mean, I I yeah, agree I, I with you. Only, I, don't, I know he only played eight years. Uh, I think he re- kind of did the Barry Sanders thing with Detroit. And I think he was a quarterback-proof wide receiver, meaning that it didn't matter who was his quarterback, he was still going to put up outstanding stats, and he did it on a, on a bad team. Um, so, I, I mean, I think he was a no-brainer so, uh, myself. But, I mean, the, look, the question look. with – uh, real uh, question with Edelman compared to Johnson is that Johnson's stats during regular season are probably double Edelman's, yet Edelman made it to the playoffs quite a bit where he was on the Patriots, and he, I mean, he delivered. I mean, he is second all time in yards and receptions only behind the greatest wide receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. And that's what, I mean, that's more than likely going to get him in, just his stats in the postseason. Not like right away, but, I mean, I, another guy you could say is Hines Ward. Is he deserving to be in there over uh, Julian Edelman, Super Bowl MVP? And uh, his stat, regular season stats are a lot better, not so much postseason stats, but I mean, he put, Edelman played in a lot of games, and Ward did too, but I believe Ward of, uh, should get in myself so i mean i I think johnson's no-brainer i believe edelman eventually uh not right away but i think he eventually will i think you're right i think you mentioned mentioned last week tim winning winning's a big thing and he was a winner and you know that another debate could be eli manning is he a hall of famer well if he doesn't win the two super bowls Probably not. No, he's in the top, I think, 15, and a lot of the quarterback in this era or whatever. But you have to go by 
who did he beat? And really, Tom Brady continuing to win Super Bowls enhances Eli's chances of getting in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he he took him down twice in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, he's eventually he's going to get in as well. Yeah, I mean, Eli's just, he's such a polarizing figure when you yeah. come to it. Eli's one of those guys that it's like, some people, I mean, he was Brady's kryptonite. You could argue that. I mean, he was a guy that, that won two Super Bowls, and I don't know. It's just like there there were years with Eli where you would watch him, and he would be a world beater. And it was like, wow, what a great what a great player. And then there were other years you would watch him, and you were like, ugh, can we put anybody else in, please? I don't know. It's... I too. I mean, do you, I don't know that we talked so much about it last week, but like, I guess you do kind of got to factor in, okay, like, who did you play for? How good were the teams that you played for? I mean, you could be a great quarterback, but if you ain't got anybody to throw the ball to, you know, your greatness will only take you so far. I will argue this, and this might be a bold statement. If Calvin Johnson had played for a better team, he would have been the greatest receiver to ever play, in my opinion. Or, or if he plays for a better team and there's another receiver, does he see the ball as much? I mean, I guess that's an argument. Like, I, I, I mean, we'll never know. On, but <laughs> Just based on who he played for, who was throwing the ball, what he did, and some of the catches I saw that guy make, and just the things he could do, he was unbelievable. Now, to me, the, your, your top echelon of receivers, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, I think Calvin Johnson's in that top five. For me. Now, what does my opinion mean? Well, that and two bucks will get you a Coke. But I don't see how you can deny how good Calvin Johnson is. I'm not saying Julian Edelman isn't good, and I'm not saying Edelman's not eventually a Hall of Famer. Maybe he is years down the line, depending on what happens. But, man, Megatron was another level. Just unreal what that guy could do. Double team, triple team, it didn't matter. If he wanted to catch the ball, he caught the ball. It's a tough one because it is. No, it is. I'm glad I don't have yeah, to make that decision. Yeah, because there's no like set in stone criteria for any of it. Um, you know what matters to one voter may not matter as much to another one. You know we talk a lot about you know the big qualifier for a lot of stuff as well. Did he win a Super Bowl? You know Dan See, Dan, Dan, Marin, Dan Marino is a perfect example of that though. He's, I'll argue that that doesn't matter. But to a lot of people, it does, though. You know, that's the pinnacle of success as well. Did he, did he win a Super Bowl? No, if he didn't, well, how, could he, how good could he have really been? Well, he could have been really, 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 really good. Just didn't play for the right team. Uh, uh, A.K.A. Dan Marino. <laughs> yeah. I think something you have to factor in, too, and, you, I don't, and somebody brought this up. We've, I've talked about this with Eli as well. Is, I mean, did you ever fear him? Eh, not so, re- not so much, really. Did you ever scheme your defense to stop Eli? Uh, you know, was you ever really concerned? Yeah, kind of, maybe, but not like totally. Uh, with Dan Marino, yes, yes, you did. You know, you, you, know, you, you knew you were going to have a passing attack, so you you drafted that way. You uh, schemed your defense like that. So and he uh, still, and he still put up ridiculous changer. numbers. Right, right. right. <laughs> So, how did I think when you bring up people in the Hall of Fame, the question is, 
not only their stats, but how did they change the game? Well, for instance, Lawrence Taylor, a linebacker, New York Giants, one of the greatest linebackers of all time. Uh, he's in a division with uh, Washington Redskins. What does Joe Gibbs do? Well, he creates a three tight end offense just to compensate for for Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to question. Well, Calvin Johnson definitely changed the game on how you how you defend and. Uh, you know, well, he he also he, he he also may have been one of the guys to kind of usher in the big, burly receiver type kind of guy too, where they wanted great big guys because he could just out muscle dudes. And that, what's crazy about that is he went to Georgia Tech, who mainly is a, at the time was an option type style uh, school running game. I mean, and mm. and he stood out even at there. So, I tell you what, he made that quarterback look like a world beater. He goes to a he he goes to a triple option school and just destroys there. And that quarterback there at Georgia Tech would just throw it up, and Calvin Johnson would just come down with it somehow. Watched it many a times. I guess I'm kind of to the point after we talked about it for a while, because there is no criteria for the Hall of Fame. If the Sports writers and or whoever it is who votes, depending on what sport we're talking about, if they get put in there, it really can't be wrong. Really, technically, no. So, it does it maybe come down to more that uh, if a guy plays for a team you don't like, or that kind of stuff, that that becomes hard to keep that out of your mind when you hear that. Okay, this guy's not in, and this guy is in. Or you know whatever your own personal criteria may be for what you consider to be great. Um, I mean, there's probably all kinds of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame and are never going to get in. I mean, yeah, that's an argument too. You I know, mean, and there's only so many. They can only put in so many a year, and if you don't go in quite often, if you don't go in in the first couple of years, you're forgotten about. Yeah, it happens in baseball. Guys slide off the ballot and. There's more, you know, fresher faces that people remember what they did because it only is a couple years ago as opposed to 20 years ago or longer. I mean, Jesus, look at that kid who doesn't know who A-Rod is. <laughs> Anthony Edwards. You know, and it's just because he's young. and he Okay, who's, who's this A-Rod guy you guys talking about? He's your new boss, kid. You better watch it. <laughs> oh, and then, and then he came out a couple days later and said, oh, yeah, he's the guy who's dating uh, J-Lo. That's what he knows about him. Don't know a thing about his baseball career, and that's and that's just how it is sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Well, while we're on the subject, Alex Smith retired um, this past week. Apparently, there was a uh, there was some talk of him going to play for the Jaguars, but he ended up. Just retiring instead. What, what do you guys think about that? I think it's a good move. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. I think, I mean, really, the fact that he came back and played last year, I was kind of torn on it. Yeah, it was great. Same time, man, he just about died <laughs> with, a, with you know, the bad... Blood uh, clots and all that stuff. Yeah, with the injury that he... Yeah, and there. sepsis and all that. I mean, and he, and he had a... You know, he had a solid career. I mean, I know he wasn't 
Uh, I know he was a first-round pick that year. First round? More like first. For a first, for a first pick, first round, and uh, really, that was at the time. Uh, it was Matt the right Leonard pick. Decided, Matt Leinart decided to stay, and he was supposed to be the first pick. Of course, Leinart ended up being a bust in the NFL. I'd say Alex but, Smith and Aaron Rodgers Rogers, both had a career than Matt Leinart could have ever wanted. Right. Rodgers dropped, of course. Uh but I and I'll argue this. I think Aaron Rodgers. If I think if you switch, what happened, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't drop to Green Bay, and gets taken first, and Smith falls to Green Bay, I think, I don't think that their careers, like I think, Smith still has will end up having the better career because one he learns from Brett Favre, gets time to wait, not thrown into the starting job right away. Uh, maybe not the career Rodgers had because he doesn't have the deep ball Rodgers had, but Rodgers would have been thrown to the wolves and struggled early, uh, in my in my opinion. It was just a matter of if you take Smith, you know, you you get what you get, and he had to he really had to fight through well, a lot, whereas well, Rodgers got to learn from one of the best. Yeah, and don't forget a lot of what makes Aaron Rodgers great and his attitude and all that stuff comes from what he perceived to be a snubbed at that draft. Yeah, that too. He was angry and PO'd, and he was, and he's been that way ever since, as far as the football part of things goes. Yeah, and he hasn't, and he's yet to smile about it ever since. Yeah, because he's not the kind of guy you want to play the week after they don't have a very good game, or he doesn't have a very good game. He's you really don't want to play them. Yeah, absolutely. So Alex Smith, um, you know, retiring. And we hate to see that, but I think uh, easily one of the greatest comeback stories of all time. Like, no more or none. I would have hated to see more, and I'm glad it never happened, where if he'd have got hit and got hurt yeah. again. Yeah. And, I mean, remember we watched video of him when they, uh, when they finally cleared him? Yeah. And, and we couldn't believe he'd been cleared because he could barely move. <laughs> it was just like we both said, he's going to get killed if he goes out there. And, you know, the bad part is he actually came in and played pretty well. He, he was fine. I imagine, too, going to Jacksonville, he probably wasn't going to see the field if they uh, draft. He would have needed, needed a scooter to ride around on in Jacksonville with that horrible line. Is there, there was a story out today that somebody had said, well, he couldn't get a – financial deal that suited him. But then another story came out right after that that said he doesn't, he is fine money wise. He doesn't need the money. So I'm glad. I, I think it's good when guys retire on their, on their own terms. And he's, he, he came back, he proved he could come back. He got that done. And now maybe it's and time now to go he can to retire and say, Hey, you know, this injury didn't stop me. So, yeah. right. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good way to go out. If you comeback story of the year and goes out on his terms, I mean, man, you really, you can't ask for much more than that. If you're, you know, in any sport, I mean, there's, so there, there's, there's him. some kind of award that should be named after him now for coming back from injuries or something along those lines. Cause not too many guys have the stones to pull that off. It's a good idea. I think that's, that's a possibility. Something like that'll be done. Yeah, I can see or, that. Or maybe a scholarship or something along those lines. Well, the Steelers actually announced that uh, apparently Mike Tomlin's coming back for three more years. Any thoughts there? Well, 
you know, it's the Steelers usually, uh, for the most part, they stick with their guy that they hired. They uh, do. They hired him what two thousand three or four was it? They after Cap Bill Cower. Maybe it was five or six. Maybe after they won the Super Bowl, he retired. Um, I always thought he might come back out of retirement and coach some, but he stuck to being a broadcaster or you know on um, CBS mm-hmm. at halftime. But uh, he does a good job, I think. I mean, the guys. I mean, he's won two Super Bowls. Minus they didn't have to play Tom Brady in those playoffs whenever they won them, but yeah. usually he did pretty well against them. But the fact is, he's he's won two and. Um, Last year they made the playoffs, correct? Yeah. Yes, got beaten the first so, round. I mean, but, um, well, so, you know the Steelers last season they were the team to beat there for most of the, the front of the season, <laughs> and then they lose to Washington, Alex Smith, and it just kind of unraveled from there. It's like I don't know what happened with Pittsburgh because mm-hmm. they go from arguably, know. you know. Yeah, they were undefeated, and then they run in, and just all of a sudden they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Is there any have, chance? Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. I was just going to say they have some good receivers. Uh, you know, Absolutely. They have to deal with the big, big Ben. Uh, you know, you just wonder, are they? You know, I actually believe that they might actually try to trade up in the draft and give him a quarterback. I don't know if they. You know, I mean, they might. They have, they have to move up pretty far to do it. I believe they pick. Uh, Twenty in the twenties somewhere, low twenties maybe. But well, they've already I mean, lost they, James Conner. He's gone right, now. Right, and, he's gone uh, to Houston, I believe. Yeah, uh, I believe uh, maybe Denver, Arizona, maybe. But I thought he went to I, Houston. I, I can't. He might have. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, they they had Le'Veon Bell there, and they had A. B. Antonio Brown. Yeah. And I think the front office kind of mishandled that situation. And that was just bad for everybody because uh, Pittsburgh. Right, it really, is. It is the Cardinals. It is Arizona. I apologize. Pittsburgh didn't do any better than, uh, and Bell lost a year and then went to the Jets and not the same. So you went. You know, well, who, is you, the, you, you, who is you when they go to the? Who is when they go to the Jets? Yeah, you would have thought that they could have worked something out, but uh, you know, just they didn't. And, and Antonio Brown. the same way they had some talent there i don't know if you can play, place that blame on mike tomlin i mean well and you got to remember look at juju this year doing the dancing on the, the games before on the <laughs> on the logo before the games and uh, didn't help the cause much though. well apparently after he got hit in cincinnati he said he wasn't going to do that anymore <laughs> boy he got way late in that game jeez but i mean they, they've got talent they really do, but I'm with you. I think the Ben era, obviously, it's not. It's over. It's over. They signed him for one more year. It's over. I think it's time to start looking for, for the next guy. I really do. If you're Pittsburgh, and is that maybe the reason why, my logic of they they signed him for three years because they got Ben for one. If they don't win or or they're a little bit worse this year, let's say. They draft a quarterback, and they've got a solid veteran coach there for two more years. I like Tomlin as a coach. I, I do, actually, too. I think he's a good coach. Now, the whole trying to trip people on the sidelines thing, not not very smart. but That's part of his fire. <laughs> i tell you what, I've never seen a coach that hates to lose more than him. Maybe Belichick. But he, uh, he seems like one of those guys. 
Well, um, too, does it? It sends a message to like, let's say, okay, they they play this year and then they go young, or they rebuild a little bit. Yeah, it's good. I think it's good to know that you have a coach there that is backed up by ownership and isn't going anywhere. Yeah, that's so, what I mean. So if you better you're worried about out, what's going on with the the head coach, then you don't have to yeah. to really worry about it. Well, and whatever the systems are, and that they they are what they are, and they're staying that way. So you better figure them out. Yeah, as as opposed to I don't like this. We didn't do this where I went to school, <laughs> and some of the stuff you do here occasionally from the young guys. So, I mean, the Steelers are always half decent. I mean, when's the last time the Steelers were actually like really bad? Honestly, you don't hear about them being bad very often. It's they're just, competitive, if if nothing. Even else. if they're not, you know, even if they're not the best team in their division, they're usually in second. Which historically, it's always been. Pittsburgh and Baltimore trading one and two, Cincinnati and Cleveland trading three and four, but that may change this year. Cleveland looks pretty good this year, but we'll see. Uh, Arizona, don't sleep on them either. Apparently, you know they're loading up out there, out in Arizona, especially Connor coming in now. And I like uh, I like I like James Connor's running back. Sue me. I, 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 like, I like Kyler Murray as a quarterback. <laughs> a lot, a lot of fantasy owners do. Um, now, the draft is next week, and there's draft rumors swirling like crazy. And I promise we're going to get to basketball, folks. I really do. But we started with the NFL, so I figure why not just go ahead and run with it. You know what I mean? Well, we have to have a quick stop at soccer after what happened this afternoon. We, we will. We will definitely have a stop at soccer here in a minute. But uh, there's a lot of talk about the Miami Dolphins who traded back and then traded back in. Was it the Dolphins that traded up to six? Yes. Yeah, there's been rumors that they're listening now to teams making offers, that they may be looking to trade back again. So I don't know what's going on there. There's also rumors that the Carolina Panthers are having uh, talks with teams about trading back from the number eight spot, and there's all kinds of wheeling and dealing being talked about here. Is this going to be the year? Where we always say, "Oh God, there's going to be so many trades. We see it coming. There, we're going to see trade after trade." And then nothing ever happens, or is it going to be one of those where the trades finally start to happen? Well, you know, a lot of the trades has already happened. Uh, you know, we've had with San Francisco traded up, and they gave up a lot. The Eagles and Dolphins made some trades, made a trade. And, Seen some quarterbacks uh, so, move around. So you, you're right, and I think that's the biggest thing is the uh, is the quarterback. Uh, that's what people's going after. They a lot of them feel like there might be. Uh, five quality quarterbacks. Uh, you know, usually there's what two on the average that make it. I mean, let's get serious. I mean, it's it, it's inevitable. There's going to be one or two busts at least. And uh, but you know, if 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 teams are starting to think, hey, if there's going to be five quarterbacks taken in a top seven or eight picks, man, there's going to be a lot of talent out there uh, not being taken when they should be taken. So. There's going to be a lot of value there after maybe like 9 and 10 and 11, your top uh, positional players, uh, offensive linemen and so on. So your receivers and tackles. So, uh, you know, these teams that's maybe yeah. reaching for a quarterback, there's going to be some good value there right after them. So, I, you know, I, I could see why there might be some, a lot of trading. I've never understood the trade-down mentality. I always figured you should take the best available player and then trade that for something. Well, see, I I see the the trade back mentality. If you're a team 
Like, I can understand Carolina wanting to trade back. Because to me, Carolina, they have more needs. Like, if you need maybe one thing, maybe two at the most, then I would understand wanting to stay where you're at and taking that need that you have. But if you've got needs all over the board and you just you're not gonna be good. And okay, but but you can't fill that need at eight? Well, if you but what if you trade eight and the person you want falls to you at twelve and you get an extra pick out of it? Well, That's I get the argument. But there's a whole lot of maybes involved in that. Well, mind you too. Mind you too, though there is an awful lot of stuff that we never get to hear about. Exactly. Those guys, there. For all we know, that draft order is what it is today, and what it ends up being draft day. That most of the GMs already know all that stuff. They might. These guys are going to trade with these guys, and if that happens, then this will happen, so on and so forth. Don't take our guy. We'll we'll trade you. We'll move to this number if you don't take this guy so we can take him at this number. Uh, That probably happens a lot more than what people are aware of. Maybe. I mean, again, I I totally see the point in trading back sometimes. I do. I mean, if you can get, like, what the, what the Eagles get out of the uh, Dolphins there from moving from... Oh, God, they got a bunch of stuff. I mean, just moving down a few spots, and the Eagles knew they're, they're probably not going to be that great unless you talk to an Eagles fan, in which week one they're going to win the Super Bowl. Week two they're probably the biggest bunch of bums you ever met. Our so. quarterback is the league MVP. He should be traded immediately. He should be lynched from week to week. <laughs> That's the Eagles, baby. <laughs> I don't have a problem trading up getting your guy either. Like, uh, for instance, that year the Steelers traded up to get Paul Malu. I mean, I thought that was one of the best trades for their, in their franchise history to trade up and get him. I thought he was, yes. you know, an awesome safety. And, and uh, the year that the Giants traded up to get or trade up to get Eli, uh, I mean, you know, I was. I well, thought Rivers and him was on the same playing field. Well, again, you got to remember turn. they. Uh, <laughs> they probably didn't really have a choice. That's where Eli was going to go. Yeah, right, right. But they made him pay. I mean, they gave up a, oh, uh, yeah. a first-round pick the next year, and they got a third, and then they got a, in my eyes, was probably the same talented type quarterback, Phillip Rivers. So the Chargers did pretty good that trade. Yet Giants end up winning two Super Bowls, and the Chargers was, you know, also, you know they, they were always uh, fourth or fifth best mm-hmm. each year there for a long time. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's, that's sadly that's that's the way it is sometimes. I wonder if anyone has ever sat down and done like went a deep dive into the how some of that stuff turns out when guys trade up and or down and how the players involved end up what their careers end up looking like at the end of it all. Because there's got to there's got to be some spectacular wins, and there's got to be some spectacular failures too, where oh, you know yeah. we we traded up to get a guy and he was a total bust, and the two guy the draft picks we gave up ended up being pro bowlers or whatever. Well, here you go. I've uh, I've got an article here from Ben uh, Pickman from Sports Illustrated. Illustrates. Um, it illustrates here some the biggest NFL tr- draft trades in NFL history. So the Saints, in 99, the Saints trade up to get Ricky Williams. They, they The number five pick, which they used to draft Ricky, draft running back Ricky Williams, Washington got 
all seven of the Saints picks in 1999, including the 12th overall, along with the first and third round picks in 2000. Ouch. Good move, Washington. <laughs> and yet, didn't really make Washington all that good, did it? No. Well, should have. Should have, though, probably. Well, but... Washington's on here again. The trade-up for RG3. Washington gets the number two overall pick, and they select RG3. The Rams ended up getting a 2012 first-rounder at number six, the 2012 second-rounder at 39, 2013 first-rounder, which was number 22, and a 2014 first-rounder, which was the number two pick in the draft in 2014. I, I, I will argue, though, that that one... If RG3 it says here, the Rams drafted a number of elite prospects, but none ever emerged as true stars. And that could have ended up worse, though, because if he doesn't get hurt, he may have turned into something fairly good. Well, here was a trade-up that actually worked out. The uh, 49ers trade the number to get the number 16 pick, and they got a 1985 third-rounder. Here's what the Patriots got. 1985 first rounder, which was the number 28 pick, an 85 second rounder, the number 56 pick, and an 85 third rounder, which was the 84 pick. You know what the 49ers took in 85 with the 16th pick? Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. And the 49ers were the defending Super Bowl champions, yeah, and, and they uh, traded up to get Jerry Rice, something they and, saw. And we don't need to hear any of the other names involved because it, exactly. it doesn't matter who they are. That's still a win. <laughs> I like 49ers aggression there, like being a champion and then, you know, that's, stay on top. Who on their scouting team saw what nobody else saw in him? Well, you also got to remember Rice's 40 wasn't that great. That's what I say, who, who on their scouting team or who was it in that organization that said, Hey, we can't, we can't pass on this guy. I mean, Valley State. Got to raise whoever they are. Might have been. Uh, it might have been Bill Walsh. Probably seventy-seven. The Cowboys trade to the Seahawks, the number fourteen pick in the seventy-seven draft, a seventy-seven second rounder, two actually three second round picks, and their first rounder. They move up to number two and take Tony Dorsett. Can't argue with that too much. No, not at all. Here's one. Here's a miss. Uh, the Chargers trade up to get Ryan Leaf at number two, and the Cardinals get the number three pick. See, they moved up one spot. They get the number three pick, a ninety, a nineteen ninety eight second rounder, a ninety nine first rounder, which was number eight. It turned out to be Eric Metcalf and Patrick Sapp. Ooh, yeah, man. I mean, let's be honest. If you would have any of those picks would have turned into guys that even played ten games, they would have been better than what Ryan Leaf ended up being. Yeah, I mean, you kind of gotta agree with that. And just kind of self-destructive, that young man. And uh, trades though you've gone over. I mean, other than the Rice one and, and I guess Dorsett, but here recently they haven't been like that one. And then you talk RG three. That was yeah. I mean, it was Swing. a wash. Well, it was yeah. a bad wash. Yeah, you know, yeah. Was, ended yeah. up being, That's taking the big L, as they say. Well, there's a few more, obviously. Uh, the Oilers trade uh, for Earl Campbell. They take him number one. They ended up trading uh, 
what picks ended up being Doug Williams, Brent Mortis, Reggie Lewis, and Chuck Fusion Fusia. Uh, obviously the Cowboys for Dorsett, the Niners, and here was another one. Now this one you could argue a little bit here. This one actually worked out, I think, for both teams. The uh, Falcons trade up in 2001 to take Michael Vick, but the Chargers got the number five pick, and they end up with Ladanian Tomlinson, Tay Cody, a corner, and a 2002 second rounder, which was Reggie Caldwell and Tim Dwight. So if anything, that one's kind of a wash as well because the Chargers made out pretty good with LT. I'd like I to really see think the, the Chargers won that deal. Really, to be honest, I'll say, I'd like to see the trade tree on that one to see what if the Falcons what did they get when Vic left there, if anything, or did he just leave? Well, and then of course the Colts trade up for Jeff George, uh, but you know the Falcons get you know Reggie Reggie Redding, uh, Mike Pritchard, and a, a tackle and Andre Rison. So really, again, a wash in that aspect. So hmm. nothing major there. So it really seems like the trade up to go after your guy seems to work. Not seeing a lot of where the trade backs really worked out minus the, uh, I still think that the, the move to get, um, LT or to get Vic, I think that's a tie in my opinion. Vic was daggone good, but all right, yeah. I'll tell you what, Here's what we'll do. We talk about that. Next week is the draft show. So, boys, when you show up, have your your draft picks ready to go. I know Tim just, uh, he's so excited. We're just doing the first round. I, uh, round. I, I only have a uh, vacation booked for next week. Yeah, you got Frank's picks next week. I oh, know. right. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, oh, so. Frank will come through. Uh, there was never a doubt in my mind. So, Jeff, you and I will be the serious ones next week talking uh, <laughs> NFL draft while Frank from Flin Flon drafts uh, Ed Bogus to the Shinston's <laughs> All-Cheese Curl or, League. Or guys who haven't been in the league for 50 years. Or, or drafts uh, <laughs> drafts Moose and Muhammad. The good chance he will draft Tom Robinson. Well, I mean, who wouldn't, right? If I had a first pick, that's what I'd do. I mean, All right. Jim Thorpe. Well, we haven't taken a commercial break yet, so okay. we need to do that. And then on the other side, we're going to talk to Nick Hoff, winner of the Bracket Pool Challenge for Wide Men Can't Jump. Uh, a big W for him in his life, almost as big as marrying his wife. But, uh, you know, hey, it was close. He almost uh, got it. Disclosure, not suitable for work. <laughs> Is anything <laughs> we do really suitable for work, Tim? True, Honestly. True. True, but it did get a tiny bit more graphic than normal. So uh, not as bad as quick. not as well, bad as Karen, but you know, no, well, that's true. Jeff, I always I always <laughs> worry about the lovely Giada. On the, what's the not as bad as Karen, but worse than Jeff. So there's the that's the scale we're on yeah, right we got, now. We got Jeff on a five second delay though. <laughs> Obviously, I'm no, I'm no idiot. I know what I'm doing, uh, but. All right, so we're going to go to commercial here and hear from our great sponsors, New Taylor & Associates at the New Law Office. Check them out. And, of course, our good friends at Strip Cam Fun. They n never leave us wanting at Strip Cam Fun. There you're going to hear our talk from Nick Hoff. On the other side, talk a little basketball, some of the news and notes going on in the NBA, and then we're going to talk about some draft busts. I know that one we kind of we teased last week. We didn't get to it, but we're going to get to it this week. So... 
back on the other side right after this. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On StripCamFun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. StripCamFun, be sure to visit right now. It's StripCamFun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. We do every year when we have an NCAA tournament where we welcome on the winner of the pool and ladies and gentlemen this year's winner the one and only the impregnator as he is called in canada here in west virginia we know him as the man of sperm like cement he is the man the myth the legend the soon to be daddy nick off nick welcome aboard well we want a uh, opening you can put that on your on your tombstone one day <laughs> concrete sperm of cement Yes, that's called dyslexia also because it was supposed to be cement like sperm, but you know, I, I've had a rough night. I've been broadcasting since one o'clock this afternoon, so sue me. Uh, anyway, Tim, welcome Nick to the show like only I know you can, the Canadian way. Yeah, good day, Nick. How's it going, Hoser? <laughs> I didn't know that was the Canadian way. <laughs> But ladies and gentlemen, Nick did win the bracket pool for the Wide Men Can Jumbly. He won 108,000 Iranian reals, and he chose to give it back because he's a giver-backer kind of guy. And we thought that was kind of swell of him. Uh, Nick, believe it or not, you actually ended up in a tie with Randy Uten. Your score was the one that got you over the hump there. You picked the 79-73 uh, to 73 and the final score was 86 to 70. Old Randy Uten went with 72 68. So Nick, with the closer final score, gets the dub. This game was a lot. Well, it wasn't as close as I thought it was going to be, but I thought Baylor was going to come out and win it outright. Just they had more depth. Yeah. 
Gonzaga, Gonzaga was it was a good team all year. I just thought Baylor's depth. I mean, Gonzaga plays what six, seven guys. Baylor plays ten. Yeah, I mean that's I, true. I thought that was the difference. Well, let me ask you this: when it comes to strategy, are you a guy that's are you more like me in the aspect of you fill out one bracket and that's it, and you use that in everything, or are you more of a well, for this, I'm going to fill out this bracket. For this, I'm going to use this bracket. And I've got multiple brackets in multiple places. Or what, What's your mindset going in when you're picking teams and trying to pick a winner in, this, in the tournaments? Normally, I do fill out two brackets. I fill out my homer bracket and get West Virginia as far as I think that they can go. And then I fill out a realistic bracket where I usually have them losing in the first or second round. <laughs> uh this year, I did only do one bracket, and I don't know if I put more thought into it this year than I normally do, but I did have West Virginia going to the Sweet 16, but, yeah. I think that's a realistic place for them. Went. I actually had them in the Elite Eight, but, you know, oh, well, what can you do? Uh, but, uh, you know... I usually just do the one bracket. Tim, uh, what's your strategy in these bracket pools? Darts and dice. <laughs> you know, honestly, we should do that one year and just throw darts at the, at a at a map, and whichever comes up, we will uh, we'll, we'll just pick them. What is it like when you do the multiple uh, choice test? If you don't know the answer, pick C. Yes. That sort of thing. I mean, how could you this year? I mean, there was, it was a total nut show. Anybody that got it right, I mean, no offense, Nick, but come on, you were just guessing. Tell the truth. Uh, there was some educated guesses on a few of them. Well, honestly, Baylor and Gonzaga—that's probably not two bad guesses. I mean, obviously, it happened, but it's like number one and potentially number two. I mean, that's not a, a bad thing. No, that, that part wasn't. It was some of the earlier ones where, I don't know about Nick's bracket. Uh, I didn't. I don't remember what some of the early upsets, if he picked them or not. But, you know, like guys uh, pick, pick if it. I can, if I can remember right, I had, uh, I think I actually picked uh, four or five upsets. Well, Nick, the beautiful thing uh, is I can tell you what you picked because I have the technology. I'm going to guess it uh, probably had something to do with getting the old oil changed, I'm thinking. Well, he did pick Ohio to upset Virginia, which happened. Uh, uh, Let's see, upset-wise, he took Georgetown like a lot of us did. That didn't happen. Uh, Where was he on Illinois? Illinois, Nick, had Illinois. I didn't have Illinois losing to Loyola Chicago. I know that. Nobody. Uh, yeah. You had Illinois all the way. Let's see how far out here did you have them going? You had them you had them in the final I had four. Them going to the final four. You did. Illinois in the final four. So you like you were like me and Tim, although Tim and I took the took them to win it all like a couple of idiots. Uh you did take Oregon State, which happened to beat uh to beat Tennessee. And I'm starting to suspect that maybe Danielle filled out this bracket. <laughs> he like he took Winthrop like we did too, or at least like I did and Jeff did. Uh, I was high on Winthrop; that didn't quite work out. But uh, she would have filled hers out by the best looking coach. 
No, oh, so Bob Huggins, eh? <laughs> Speaking of, I don't know if you all seen, maybe breaking news or a little too early. Did you all see where Charlie Huggins passed away? I, I did, actually. I, I did see that. And it's a very unfortunate that, that that happened. But, I mean, he was, you know, what was it, 87. Uh, was a great coach and great player. You know, really committed guy, and, and it's a shame. But I mean, eighty-seven years old—that's a—that's a pretty solid, pretty that's solid t- life. That's a top-tier win, I think. I mean, I think the three of us—if we can make it to eighty-seven and, and and do a lot of the things that he got to do—then I think we call that a W. Where I come from, shoot you two young whippersnippers. You're not barely as old as me put together. Well, Tim, not all of us get that great Canadian, that great Canadian love that you get. It's the beer. It's that high alcohol beer. Your all's beer is stout. And your yes. chips. Your chips are stout, too. Yeah, chip, our chips are top notch. <laughs> you guys could learn a lesson from us in a chip breaking department. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you didn't, you didn't like the Mr. B's, so there's something wrong with you. No, I don't they, mind Mr. B's. It, it wasn't that they were bad. It's just they're, they're very different than ours. And having had ours for my, you know, for fifty years, weren't gonna weren't gonna supplant them. That's all. Well, well, Nick, I'll go ahead and tell you, Mr. B's is nothing compared to Old Dutch all dressed potato chips. They're they're literally some of the best things I've ever had in my life. Um, that's just old a heads Dutch. up. Yes, and they're fantastic. And everyone out there should buy some. And I mean, Old Dutch, I- you can give me money. And should I should I cancel that coffee crisp thing you wanted there, Nick, or what? <laughs> oh, that's that was more of a Danielle thing. So. Uh... Oh Jesus! I better get on that then. I'll oh, Danielle, be too, I'll be too late. <laughs> yeah, really, she'll come looking for you. <laughs> she uh, she already which, you know she already is. <laughs> if, yeah, really. If anybody know, if anybody doesn't know, uh, Danielle, Nick's lovely wife. Uh, who I'm sure has kept you busy. Uh, how is how is Danielle? I have not seen her in a while. How's she doing? Uh, stressed as always. Oh, I mean that's nothing. That's that nothing part. new. That's nothing new here. Uh, as far as the pregnancy ends, she's staying sick a lot. She don't eat a whole lot. When she does eat, she gets sick. Well, there you go. Uh, my man, when, when my baby mom was sick with was with had our child she too was the she she stayed sick a lot so get used to it nick and get and you're having a, a baby girl congratulations uh your Thank life you. as you know it is over just so you know um because now you have two bosses instead of just the one you have two bosses now just, uh, just a heads say, up. What's this life that you're talking about? Well, listen, it, it, even if you don't have a life right now, it changes when you have a kid. Tim and I can attest to that. Uh, yeah, yep. Uh, I'm just going to stay on the fence on this one and say. Well, that, I'll just uh, go ahead and tell you, I had a little boy, so my life seemed a little easier because I don't know if I could. I love, you know, I know you're going to love your daughter more than anything, but man, oh man, you're going to want to kill some people as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay as every dad does when it comes to their their baby girl just imagine Im- imagine your father-in-law dealing with uh dealing with you and when you started first uh, hanging out with danielle 
that probably wouldn't have went over too well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the kicker is you you have to try to remember all the things you thought and realize that that young gentleman or whoever it may be that's calling on your child is thinking those exact same things. And you might want to string up a few people. <laughs> so, Nick, when you when you take the W here from the tournament challenge, you join a, an elite group. You're only the third winner in Wide Men Can't Jump history. You join uh, Larry Dameron and Tim's son, Matt, as the only winner. Yeah, that's a kind of a... Do we need to talk about what elite means? Well, elite you... and... Uh, <laughs> What about unique? How about that? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's rough. rough well, I can't. Too. I can't speak for Larry. I don't know Larry, but I mean, he was the guy that coined his team "Return of the King," and no, I know uh, of him. I yeah, know. and then finished seventh. So, way to go, Larry. I mean, but my, um, he, my, he did my, beat my, me though. So, my DNA. I mean, I can speak for it. So, unique. You know, you, you know, Matt actually came in fourth. He was in the, he was in close running there, and Jeff made a, a good run as well. He came in third, but uh, bronze ain't no bronze here in the wide men world. So yeah, Jeff would have maybe picked one more game right. He may have been the outright winner. Yeah, he really, yeah. he really, he took a couple of, he took a couple of gambles here on some bets. I know that. Uh, he had Winthrop. He was a big fan on Winthrop. He liked West Virginia. Um, I mean, again, this year's tournament was just wild. It was really tough to pick. And I mean, who would have thought Iowa would lose as early as they did? Michigan gets beat by UCLA. I mean, UCLA goes from playing game to Final Four. It, it's a wild, wild tournament. But at the end of it, there's Nick Hoff standing proud, standing loud, the champion. So congratulations! You get you will have that moniker forever now as a wide man can't jump champion. For we what sure. that's worth, that and two dollars that'll get you at least a bottle of Coke. Yeah, we've donated twenty dollars in your name to the Unwed Mothers Fund of West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Unwed Mothers, give me a call. But <laughs> I tell you but, something else that uh, I I had more. Uh, you you wasn't a big fan of the Pac-12. No, I wasn't. I remember correctly. I'm still not. I had both. I I had both UCLA and Oregon in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean that was that that helped. I mean that was really if you don't do that, then that hurt that that you don't win. And yeah, you, know, you had USC there. You had uh, you had Oregon State losing, but you had Oregon. Uh, Oregon there, so that was right. You actually had Oregon going to the Elite Eight. You almost picked that one right, and that would have really put you over the top. Um, so, I mean, more faith in the Pac-12 than I. Again, maybe it was just because I didn't get to watch a lot of Pac-12 this year, but, you know, hey, you nailed those, so nobody could take that away from you. You were right on. Diesel fumes. <laughs> well, Nick, I know you're, you're out. You're still working, right? I'm parking up the truck now, so I'm getting ready to go home. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We will let you do your thing, and we appreciate you jumping on here for 15 minutes or so. And 
and hollering at us and you uh you go work work your thing and do your thing and get ready to be a daddy my friend because it's uh it's something that you'll you'll absolutely love and you'll absolutely uh, that baby's you're you're gonna melt as soon as you hold that child and you'll probably cry I'm not gonna lie I you did know what, you know what we should have done we should have played Ric Flair's theme music before we had introduced Nick. Oh, you think so? Either that or we should have played Pony by Genuine. <laughs> oh, that would have been uh, one hell of an introduction. That's yeah, a hell of an introduction. we we'll work on that. I don't know what that is, so I'm going to have to go with, all right. <laughs> I may have to do it now. <laughs> I, got Nick, no, I got nothing there. So, <laughs> All right. Well, Nick, we thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the win again. And uh, we'll hope to talk to you real soon. And tell Danielle we said hello. And tell Danielle, uh, you know, Nate, tell him Tim said be nice to Nick. He's all right. I Tim said that, not Nate. Tim oh, said I, already apo- I already apologized to her for anything that may be said, just in case, covered my ass. <laughs> Ah, we weren't too bad. Just uh, sperm, semen of sperm or sperm of cement or whatever it is. You know, that, that's about. I said she was smart, so that's good. She's right? very smart, smarter than me. Oh, she's probably smarter than me, and well, we definitely know she's smarter than Nick. So I don't know. Nick might be smarter than all of us. That, he married Danielle. That, <laughs> well, I was hey. going to say it don't take much. But, yeah, I'm. Uh, hey, who's really who's really smart? The person that goes out and. And, and and gets the big job and does it all, or the guy that marries her. Who's really the smart guy? <laughs> That's right, Nick. We're looking at you. We're looking at you. There, <laughs> Aaron. All, right. all right, Nick. Congratulations again. Finish up work. Go home and rest. All right. I appreciate it, guys. All right, Stay thanks, well, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Later. Bye bye. All right. Thanks to our wonderful sponsors. And I want to thank Nick Hoff as well for joining us here on the show. Congratulations to he and Danielle uh, on you know their their child whenever she may be born. And good luck, Nick. We're all rooting for you. <laughs> Two women <laughs> telling you what to do now, buddy. Good luck. He really wanted to have a boy because he wanted to name it David Hassel. Oh, get out of here! Sheesh. I'm so done with you. You are not. <laughs> Liar. Well, we're doing the part of the show now where we're going to talk a little basketball. I know, right? <laughs> but it's what we started out as in the first hour was nothing but NFL. But a few it. things we want to talk about here basketball-wise. Uh, did you see Donovan Mitchell uh, had an injury uh, against uh, the Pacers? He came down awkwardly and... Uh, Ended up getting hurt and had to leave the game. And it looked like a knee, thought it might have been an uh, ACL or something. It comes out that no structural damage, just going to miss a few games. So, that, to me, that's the Jazz dodging a bullet there because he, he had to be helped off the court. He got lucky. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of players get hurt. I know we kind of talked about it last week where players are hurt. They're struggling here. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with this season and how quickly the season is going by and how many games they're trying to squeeze in in such a short schedule. And again, Mitchell goes down. The Jazz's lead 
shrinks out west. They're only a game and a half up on Phoenix now. And again, Denver is five and a half back. The Clippers are three and a half back. LA's eight back. Portland ten back. So again, this is becoming a uh, you know, kind of dangerous here in that situation. And the Jazz dropped one the other night to uh, I forget who they were playing. I think it was the Celtics, if I'm not mistaken, that they lost to um, a couple of nights ago. That was uh, they had a couple couple good games there because uh, I, I watched the finish of it. It was the, was it the Celtics? No, the, no, 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 I take it back. The Lakers had the big win. No LeBron, no Davis on their team. And they ended up beating Utah. That was it. The the Lakers beat Utah 115 to 127. And that was in overtime. Um, Did they play again last night? They yes, did, the and, the, and the Jazz got the W. The Jazz okay. won 111-97, so they split that one. But again, I was watching that game, and it was just like, I was looking, and here were the players that were out during that game. No Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert, no Mike Conley. Then on the other side of the court, no LeBron, no Davis, no Gasol. It was... <laughs> what a fun. A lot of very happy season ticket holders yeah, that they, I mean, that they didn't go to that game. <laughs> biggest, Andre Drummond was the biggest name out there. Jordan Clarkson, who's probably going to win sixth man of the year, had a nice game. Drummond played well. I mean, Schroeder had 25. Caldwell Pope had 25. But you're seeing a lot of this. And even there was a story out not too long ago. The Raptors are getting fined because they sat some of their players. Um I forget how. Uh, well, again, they didn't have a whole lot of people to sit. Half well, the team was hurt they, or COVID. The Raptors got fined and the Spurs got fined for setting players and violating. It's called like the league's resting policy. Um, cool. I guess they're trying to give them some rest, but I guess they're trying to even the you know the handful of fans that are actually getting into the buildings. They're wanting them to see some of the stars, but I know a lot of the coaches are trying to give some breaks here. I'm trying to. What what would you all do? Do you all agree with that? Do you think a coach should be allowed to sit players whenever he feels like it, even though, or do you feel like because Popovich used to do it all the time? He was really big on it, and obviously he still is. But um, yeah, because here it is: Uh, NBA fines Toronto Raptors twenty five grand for league policies on player rest and injury reporting. And they did the same thing to the Spurs. The Spurs got hit with it too. Um, So I don't know. I mean, one has to assume if they've got rules and the teams know what they are and they break them, well, I guess you pay the fine, right? Um, That being I don't know. I always kind of figured like, I suppose if you're paying their salaries, you have a right to play them and use them however you want within the confines of the CBA. That being said, if I'm a fan, I might get a little ripped when guys aren't playing because they are tired or back-to-backs or whatever. Uh, Load management is the new catchphrase the last couple of years anyway. yeah, Yeah. Um, Right. If you you, uh, pay for tickets and... Uh, for a game in March in November, you're going to be excited and want to be there. And then that happened. I mean, I could 
see as being a fan, you're going to be upset about that. Well, and, and Pop used to do it like he wouldn't even just like, okay, they're they're not going to, you know, he's going to play a minute or he's just not going to see the court. He wouldn't even dress him. Like they wouldn't even, or they wouldn't even travel with the team. I remember a few years ago, Pop brought, like he, he didn't bring Duncan Parker or Ginobili to a game against the Heat in Miami when they had uh, LeBron and Wade and Bosch. He didn't even bring them. They weren't even in the city. They were in San Antonio. And they got in some big stuff. And you know, the sad thing was, the Spurs almost won the game. You got to figure that the NBA shouldn't isn't on board with that too much because it's not good. Well, clearly good, not. It, I mean, they're passing yeah, out lines. Yeah, it's not, but it's not a good look. Like you know, you're you're promoting, you know, the all stars of the league and all this kind of stuff, but then you're kind of allowing or sort of letting them not play for no real reason. Like I don't know, load management to me is a kind of a bit of a giggle in my world. I, I'm not really I sure that it. I really buy into it or not. I get it, but I don't. If that makes sense. Well, I was kind of related to the real world. Okay, yeah, I don't doubt those guys are tired. But man, if uh, first responders didn't go to work because <laughs> they need some load management. Jeez. <laughs> I often wonder, <laughs> I think Good there point. should be a rule personally if you're going to have load management, it has to be only on night two of back-to-backs. That's the only time you can use load management as an excuse. Yeah, but well, because some of them, they were like even... Or night wrong. one. You, you, I think if you yeah. have a back-to-back, you should be allowed to, okay, I want to do some load management, or for guys coming off injury. I think it's okay then, but... I mean... Other than that, there's no excuse. I mean, they had... They, there was times when they were announcing load management a week before the games... And it's yeah. just like, well, how, how, can, how can you know that he needs it then? Scheduled, a scheduled day <laughs> off, basically, is what they're saying. Okay, but then but then that should be, all right, you are allowed to schedule, I don't know, somebody comes up with some arbitrary number. You can do this with a player five times a year, but that's it. Well, or I mean, something. remember Kawhi Leonard, he was Good constantly low man. Like, he didn't play much at all, but I then mean, it he, kind of paid off because once they got into the playoffs... Well, he was out tonight just to let you... Well, yeah, I mean, he's notorious for that. And to me, that's another reason why I argue a lot about... People say, well, today's game's not like, you know, the old days. And some people say for good, some say for bad. But I argue it's for bad because back in the... You think you think anybody that played in the 80s... And I'm not even talking about, you know, everybody's like, oh, Michael Jordan this, Michael Jordan that. I Talk to anybody. I mean, any player, Larry Bird. You think Larry Bird never got load management? Okay, but yeah, but Larry Bird, you could have broke his leg and shot him in the hip, and he still would have went. Isaiah out there. Thomas broke his leg and finished, you know, a, an NBA game with a broken leg, and, and not only that, but he turned it on too. So I, I don't know. Again, and I'm not saying that it's not smart to do load management. I'm just saying it's it's something that should be watched and there should be some rules for it. Players are much more aware of their value and the and that their careers are not very long and that they want to get they want to maximize their dollars and cents and it's very much more business orientated than what it once was. But you're right, there still needs to be some kind of rules on how much you can do it or yeah. 
or you know, okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna wait until the tickets are all sold and then announce that tomorrow's game. You know, especially uh, LeBron, if it's on national TV. Yeah, LeBron won't be thing. LeBron won't be playing tomorrow because well, he's tired. <laughs> you he's know, filming Space Jam too. Yeah, regular folks don't. That I mean, at the very least, too, you've got to be willing to take the criticism for when you do it. Then too, that you know, fans are going to be upset. Yeah, I mean, I remember I bought tickets to go watch the Heat and the um, 76ers in Miami when I was there. And uh, Dwayne Wade didn't play. I was a little, I was kind of mad. I was like, man, I, yeah, it's oh, the only time I'm going to be here and Dwayne Wade's not playing. One guy, <laughs> I'll never or, forget this as long as I live. One guy down in front of me sat down to watch the game and Dwayne Wade, he had his Dwayne Wade stuff on, had Dwayne Wade jersey and all the stuff. And it was announced Dwayne Wade would not be playing tonight. He left. <laughs> he just got him left. He was like, "D Wade, they playing? Yeah. I'm out of here." I mean, it'd be like going to a concert, uh, and you 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 want to see the opener. You like the, the the main attraction, but you like the opener too. And yeah. when you get there, then they announce that, "Oh yeah, there was a different opener tonight." Yeah. And out comes you know K-pop bands. <laughs> uh, you know, you you went to see Andre the Giant versus uh, Hulk Hogan, and you got Andre versus Poe bands. Oh God! I would actually like to see that just to see if it actually was real. I would right, anyway, you and your po bands. Bogus uh, uh, loves po bands. There's know. been there's been some talk around the league in a couple of years, and I was thinking about this today. And, and I'll extend this to all sports. Do you guys think? Because you know, baseball's got Jackie Robinson. Um, football or not football, but um, hockey's got Gretzky. Do you think there should be a retired number for the whole league in the NBA, the NFL? Should there be other retired numbers in maybe baseball or hockey or anything? Is there anything there where we need to say, hey, this number shouldn't be worn by anybody else because this guy was that big? I think you're going to run out of numbers if you continue to – if you want to – do that, I guess you could go to triple digits, I guess. But well, I mean, the Yankees are already one through, was it one through nine is gone. Pretty I'm much. Not, uh, yeah. But I mean, I'm talking league wide. I'm not talking about, oh, we're going to retire Larry Bird's number in Boston and nowhere else. I'm talking league wide. Jackie saying, Robinson's 42 is retired league wide in baseball. Basketball, I can see the argument for retiring the 23 league wide. I see it. What I mean, what do you, what do you, why do you think they should do it? I, I mean, I can see the argument for it. I'm not saying they should, but I see the argument for it because 23, LeBron James wears it. A lot of great players have worn it, but that's Michael's number. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I, I, I now mean, I don't think they need they to retire did. every Tom, Dick, and Harry's number. I'm talking like, you know, yeah, you could retire Kobe's 24 or eight for the Lakers, whichever one you choose. You could retire, you know, Garnett's 21 in Minnesota, Dirk's 41 in Dallas. But I'm talking about league wide. Nobody should be wearing the number 23, in my opinion. I think that should be Mike's number, and we should leave it. 
because of the impact he made? Is that what the he impact did? he made on the game and the, what he did for the game. I mean, y'all got to remember, this was the first guy to have a signature sneaker, a True. signature shoe that became must-have. And this was a guy that was, you know, basketball players weren't really doing a lot of endorsements before Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? He took his name and his brand and turned it into what it is. He's worth more now than he ever did when it came to basketball. So, I mean, that's just my opinion, personally. Now, you can disagree with me if you want. I mean, that's I wouldn't have a problem with him doing it, but I'm kind of neutral on it. If they didn't do it, I wouldn't see the big... I wouldn't, like, be vocal and say, hey, they really need to... You know, and uh, you say they did it for Gretzky... uh, you know, they, there was talk that uh, whenever Dale Earnhardt died that they might retire the three, which they did for a while. That was because the owner did, but then they brought it back for his grandson whenever he started racing. So, um, you know, it's to me, it's it, I think it's a good thing in a way to see it out, the 23 out there, because that's who you think of. You, you see 23, and you automatically think, that's, that's Jordan's number, you know. But, you know, that was a three. It was our heart race that. If you don't see it out there, you don't maybe think of it unless you bring it up. Well, no one wears a 42 because of – can have a 42 because of Jackie Robinson. Which I think – I think that's the right thing to do, though, in baseball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I get why his is retired. I, I do. Um, I just, just wonder if it should cross over other sports. I don't think you can in football. It's impossible. Because you got 52 guys on a team and the numbers are actually particular and they mean something like, you know, linemen wear certain numbers, quarterbacks wear certain numbers, receivers running back. I get that. So football, I kind of understand why you can't, but, you know, Pele's number 10 in soccer, I think you could retire that. I think you could retire Jordan's 23. Gretzky's 99. Obviously, I, I, I think that's a good call. Tim, what do you think? You've been rather quiet throughout this. That's because I was just formulating my argument for okay. why I don't like it. Okay, well, I mean... I, well, I shouldn't I, say I, not why I don't like it. My thing with it always was, okay, a league-wide one I don't like. Because maybe that number means something different in a different city. Now, there's a couple of ones like, okay, 99, nobody wore that before him. And nobody's worn it since, even before it was retired. No, I mean, because it's, it's just something attached to that number that nobody really wants to wear it. But when you're talking about, like, okay, hockey, I guess you, you use the Yankees. In hockey, it's Montreal Canadiens. Like, almost half of the numbers are gone. And the, some of the guys are wearing, like, you know, 77 and 93 and weird numbers that nobody else in the league uses because they have to because they just don't have enough of the other ones left. I'm kind of more of a fan where, yeah, okay, put it on a jersey, put it up in the rafters, honor it in the city where the guy, you know, in for that franchise. But I don't, I don't know. Don't don't kids want to wear twenty three? Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, they you do. know, like when you get to like when you, you want never to honor, you never go to a basketball game and have somebody not wearing a twenty three. Okay, somebody okay, always well, wears twenty three. Okay, so for Jackie Robinson, for instance, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice if some black players could wear forty two? Well, the last guy that did was Mariano Rivera. Would some of them not still want to? Um, I mean, if I guess if they're on board with it, that one's a little bit different because it's not just 
uh, it's not just that he was a great player. Yeah, all, yeah, it's not just some other connotations player. for that one. But um, didn't they try to retire Clemente's twenty one? I believe there was talk of it. Yeah, I mean, again, it's another thing too. Is okay. Where where do you start and stop this thing? See, that's my argument too. Is I don't want if you decide to do this, I don't want this to be. Okay, well, we're going to retire. Oh, Steph Curry's great. Let's retire number 30. Oh, I really like Tim Duncan. Let's retire 21. For me, the only argument right now is LeBron, like, and it would be Michael Jordan. And you can throw LeBron James in there, too, because he wears 23. But, again, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, it was just I, something I was thinking about earlier, and I see both sides of the argument, and I thought it would make a pretty good discussion. Like, I'd like to see some of the of the – Numbers that are readily identifiable to a certain player. I'd sort of like to see somebody else wear them at some point. I mean, at some point, 23 and Michael Jordan and 23 and LeBron James isn't going to mean a lot. True. You know, it will for the next probably, you know, 40, 50 years. Well, but You should some... retire Jordan's 45 at least. Yeah. At some point, though, <laughs> nobody will care about that anymore. Like, uh, okay, ask, ask a regular basketball fan, what number did Wilt Chamberlain wear? 13. Okay, but you are not a regular basketball fan, and neither is Jeff, and neither am I. But a lot of people wouldn't know that. Uh, you know, what number did Oscar Robertson wear? I zero. No I don't know. I, I didn't know the answer to that. And a zero, Jeff? What a zero? Uh, sounds right. Zero. I think it was either zero or two. I think it's zero. You know, they're, they're at some point, to me, it's more the guy than the, than the jersey number. Uh, maybe because I've been around a little longer and I miss some of the ones that they can't use anymore. And I remember them playing. Oh, wow. We were both wrong. 14 yeah. was his number once and one was his other. Yeah, okay. I'm so thinking there, one. Okay. So there you go. So we, we, you didn't even know. So does it really mean as I thought much? I, did. I thought I did. <laughs> I mean, should we retire the singlet so that they can't wear it in wrestling? No, I'm thankful they have the singlet. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> Especially for some of those guys. But yeah, no, I, I, I get I get your argument. Yeah, I'm not I'm not against it. Like if if everybody in the league and everybody's for it or the majority's for it, then fine. I, I don't have a I'm not gonna it's not a hill I pick to die on, but I sort of wonder if it's if there's maybe not a better way to go about doing it so that everybody can still wear the numbers. Very true. I mean, it was just, again, this is not something that's being brought up as of right now. This is just something that went through my mind not too long ago, and I just thought about it, and I was like, eh, man, it's worth bringing up on the show. So that's why I did it. Um, okay, uh, if anybody didn't see this, uh, Lou Dort, exactly who? Lou Dort was going off the other night. Uh, he's been a steal for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I know you guys probably haven't seen too much of him, but man, this guy has been playing great basketball. He had 21 points on 100% shooting in the first quarter the other night. So Retire his number immediately. I have no idea what that mofo's number is. Somebody find out. <laughs> Call Commissioner Silver. You, I could not tell you what he... All right, I'm going to take a guess right now. I'm, I'm going to look it up. Let's see if I'm right. I'm going to go with 14. Yeah, I think that's his I, number. I, I'm, I have no... Clue what his I'm number looking, would be. I'm looking like right now. I honestly think it's 14. Lou Dort is five. Ah, <laughs> swinging a miss, and just a bit outside. 
All right, uh, Jabari Parker is signing with the Boston Celtics, so another chance for Jabari Parker to have a career again. And, and he's been plagued with injuries. You know, Jeff, I know you watched him a lot back in yeah. the day. He, he was he was a great player, and he's just injuries have killed that poor guy. Yeah, and you hate to call that a, somebody like that a bust. It's more of an injury. It's type. like a Greg Oden bust. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Lavar Arrington, he he was played in football. He was played by injury, so you know you hate to call anybody a bust, but yeah. uh, that's you're not a, yeah, you're not a bust if it's for injuries. That's totally different. Being a bust for injuries and being a bust for being Ryan Leaf is two completely different things. Right. Oh yeah. So that's my opinion. But he's getting another opportunity. Uh, start, this was a weird story. I know Tim brought this up to me, and I, we kind of looked at it the other day. Sterling Brown from the Houston Rockets uh, was outside of a club in Miami and got beat up and suffered facial lacerations. Apparently, he's going to make a full recovery, though. Yep. Um, and something we, we you and, and something that you and I didn't talk about because I didn't really think of it until just a second. How big is Sterling Brown? Big dude. Like well, you play in the NBA. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. So I'm sort of thinking, okay, couldn't have just I mean, been even some small guys in the NBA are big most of the time. Yeah, okay, uh, so who 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 rolled up on Sterling Brown and decided <laughs> to pound him is what I'm sort of wondering. Sterling Brown, let me see if I can find his uh, measurements here. I know he's not small by any stretch. I mean, we can probably safely say he's he's at least six foot four or five six and five. Two. Six five, two hundred nineteen pounds. Okay, so not a little fella. No, bigger than about my size, just slimmer. And I mean, a and a professional athlete, so in good shape. Yeah. Sort of, kind of. Yeah, I don't know. It just struck me as kind of odd, like that. He's not exactly somebody you'd think you'd target to to uh, get in a tussle with. Yeah, I mean, crazy, and and it ended up being like. After I looked at it, it, it's like you didn't hear a lot about it. It was just like, oh, it happened, and we've moved on. You know what I mean? It, it kind of came out of nowhere. You would think they'd be making a bigger deal out of this, but they really haven't. It sort of made me wonder if they maybe had some idea of who the perpetrators <laughs> maybe were. Maybe Sterling Brown mouthed off a little bit in the club, and things got where out was, of hand. Uh, uh, where, it was in Miami, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, they, they where, did, did anybody know the whereabouts of Shaq? They may know the whereabouts of. Uh, I know Charles? some sketchy people down there. So, <laughs> oh, there's some in every big city. So, uh, Lamelo Ball, his wrist is healed and he's clear to return to basketball activity. He could be back soon, and yeah. try to make a last yeah. second run at that Rookie of the Year and maybe even get to play in the playoffs. And unfortunately, he will be the victim of load management. <laughs> The Nike deal with Kobe Bryant's estate has expired, and they will not renew. That's a big piece of news there. No more Kobe and Nike. Uh, Tim? Jeff? Oh, yeah. Ask Jeff, because you and I kind of dug into this a bit. That's kind of odd, because the relationship with Jordan and Kobe, uh, yeah, that's just just kind of mountain-boggling. It really is. It was something that made me go, hmm, 
Must be well, something I mean, going on there. Well, like I said, well, from I what mean, we read, what we read, it kind of sounds like they sort of dropped the ball on the, on his yeah, estate, right? Apparently, uh, Nike did. According to his estate, they didn't like that there was a lack of kids' gear and shoes. They didn't like that there wasn't a prominence for the Kobe brand after he retired. Um, so apparently, they were just. Not I happy. also read that there, and I don't know if this is true because I don't know much about like the shoe market. It's not my thing, but apparently they were also a little bit miffed because of his with his daughter and his uh, ladies' sports. Yes, but that they really didn't seem to have much interest in that because, of course, there's not that much of a market comparative to yeah selling you know kids shoes to high school kids. So. You would have thought, though, man, somebody would have been smart enough to, you know, we make a gazillion dollars off these shoes, spend $10 million on the kids' line of shoes. Who cares? Even if we don't sell them, who, who gives a hoot? Let's not, and the PR from it is not looking too good Always either. remember, always remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's about how much money you uh, can still make. Are you going to uh, segue that to the soccer story? <laughs> <laughs> One more thing, NBA, and then we'll jump to soccer. Pacer center Miles Turner partially torn plantar plate in the toe of his right foot. He's out indefinitely, so that's the NBA news around the is league right a, now. Is that the NBA version of turf toe? I'm not sure what that is, and I'm and from what I'm hearing, I don't think I want to find out. But I'll say Real this. Quick, uh, go Nathan, ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, go ahead, Phil, what you're saying. I, I, did, I wanted to say, ask something about the NBA real quick. Go ahead. Go thing. ahead before we shift gears. Okay. I'm done. Okay. Um, you know, with Stephen Curry's stretch here lately, do you all think he's the MVP candidate? Maybe he's third one if he did win. And I think the MVP race is wide open right now. Embiid getting the end of the picture now. I, I, mean, I, I don't see Curry being MVP personally. That's just me. Um, if I had to pick an MVP right now, with the way, and maybe the next couple of weeks may even solidify this if they perform better as a team, I might go with Nikola Jokic. Yeah, he had a um, good game last night. He had a, I mean, he's doing it all, especially no Jamal Murray right now. He's been solid all year. The Nuggets have really made a push as of late. Curry's having an unbelievable stretch of games. But again, his team is 500, where the Nuggets are 17 so, games over 500. And he's he's also a previous winner, but not last year, which means for him to win it again, he's going to have to do, like, in the stratosphere. Oh, and I'm they, not saying that he's not having a great stretch, but here's Nikola Jokic's numbers right now. And this is – everybody remember, this guy is a center, right? This is a, a guy who's 6'11", 284. 26 and a half points a game, 11 rebounds and eight assists, almost nine assists per game for this guy, just on the numbers. So that's insane. Curry. Now remember he is having a great stretch of games. He is averaging 31 and a half points or 31 and a half points per game, but he averages less assists, less rebounds. I mean, granted he's probably the best shooter to ever play the game. I'm still leaning Jokic, and I'm still leaning Embiid in front of Curry right now. Yeah, That's just me. That's just me. I mean, I've watched 
the Sixers, they've been on TV quite a bit here lately. And I mean, Embiid's actually got better numbers than Jokic in some terms. He's averaging 30 a game with 11.2 rebounds. So, yeah, I, I, if I had a vote, I, right now I would take Embiid over. Embiid Jokic. would be would make the most sense right now because Embiid, the Sixers are number one in the East. And that really matters to a lot of voters is where your team is in the standings. Um, whereas Denver, their fourth Denver, I think would have to close in a little bit on at least the third seed for Jokic to get it. Curry, if he continues, he'll get a lot of votes. I just don't know if, if, if he would deserve it over Embiid or Jokic, but I think Embiid definitely has a great shot at winning it. It's uh, sports writers who vote for this? I believe so, yes. Okay, because that small market, Denver, not a lot of national press. You really got to make a statement to get over the guys on the East Coast. You just do. It's just the way it is. It's with that with all sports. The MVP award used to just go to the best player on whoever's team was first in the West. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's but... honestly that's the way it used to be. If you were if you finished first in the West and you were the best player on the team, you won the award. I mean, let's be honest. Steve some Bash, of it, Kevin Garnett. Some of it is Kevin very Garnett. much a popularity contest. Like, you know, who the who the writers like as opposed to who may actually be the most valuable player to his team. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly another way to look at it. Just the way it is. Uh, Again, it's sad but true. One more thing. Who would have thought at this time that the New York Knicks would be a half game out of actually having the four seed in the East to having a home first round playoff series. <laughs> I'll give you one even better. Who'd have thought the New York Knicks would have won seven in a row? Seven in a row. That's right. This is all they, won, they, they, won, they won tonight. So. It's yeah. all part of a clever plan to get into the first round of the playoffs and be swept by the five seed. Well, they're a half a game out of fourth. And right now the fourth seed is the Atlanta Hawks. Don't know who called that. Me. but um, Some dummy. Yeah, and then Boston's a half game back of the Knicks, so there's a there's a traffic jam there in the four, five, six spots. <laughs> it figures the Knicks would get into the playoffs and possibly with home court when they can't really have any fans or very few. <laughs> I'll say this, man. Tom Thibodeau's a great coach, but I'm telling you what, he's going to wear those guys out, and come playoff time, their wheels are going to fall off just due to the minutes he's playing. I'm All just, that being said, However, uh, Julius Randle has had the biggest turnaround in his career, and he's going to win most improved player. All that being said, I still think it's a good thing if the Knicks are in the playoffs. I don't like them, but oh, I the NBA think. will love it. Yeah, They'll I love still think that. it's a good thing. TV yeah. will love it. And don't uh, and look who's uh, don't look now, but Russell Westbrook has the Wizards. In playoff contention, I mean, I think they're eleventh, tenth, or eleventh right now in the top ten. Make it right. So no, they're the play. They yeah, playing, and the Bulls well, are falling yeah. right now because the Levine is hurt, and they're tied right now. So there's a possibility. Yeah, so you wouldn't want to play him though, right? You wouldn't. No, you wouldn't no, play. I wouldn't play him at all. I mean, basically, what it would be right now is let's just say hypothetically the Wizards get there. 
you're looking at if the standings are finalized today, Miami will play Charlotte. The winner of that game will be the seventh seed. The loser will play the winner of Washington and Indiana. Indiana's the nine right now. Washington would be the 10. And the winner of that game would play the loser of the Charlotte-Miami game, and the winner of that game would be the eight seed. Dad, that's more complicated than a... It's not. I mean, I, I get it. I kind of like it, actually. And don't even yeah. say it's more confusing than high school sectional and regional basketball. That was exactly There's what I was just about to say. There's confusing than I, sectional and regional tournaments. I, I you got to have my, a matrix to keep up with that thing. I caught myself before I said it because I remembered what hockey was like, and you did. You needed a, three scientists and a couple of supercomputers yeah. to figure out. Like the basketball playoffs. You ever watch that movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the international round robin comes in, but... All right, let's shift gears. Tim wants to talk soccer here because we've had a lot of uh, activity in the world of soccer. Uh, go ahead, Tim. Okay, well, this is kind of a weird story because I guess it was initially, what, uh, 16 of the biggest soccer franchises, not necessarily the best ones, mm-hmm. but the richest ones. They got together and decided that they didn't like what uh, FIFA, and I guess it's UEFA, uh, which I guess is the United European Football Association, I believe, yeah. or something along those lines. Uh, they didn't like their Champions League tournament where the better teams in each uh, from each league in the countries play each other for the ultimate supremacy, blah, 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 blah. So they decided they were going to make up their, their own Super League. Uh, but today that all fell apart. Immediately, when all the English <laughs> when all the English teams pulled out, uh, to the point where the uh, the chairman of Manchester United resigned. There's talks that the guys from uh, Chelsea, which is in London, and I believe Arsenal, which is also in London, I believe, mm-hmm. they're both they're probably both going to get fired. And now there's more talk that because uh, this has been driven by wait for it, surprise, surprise. Uh, American ownership of European soccer clubs. Yep. And uh, there's talk that uh, the European Union may pass some kind of a law that uh, you can't own a soccer team in England anymore unless you're an English citizen. But the, uh, wait a minute, the European Union is, uh, the English are not in that. I know, but as far as sports goes. Oh, okay. Uh, So anyway, so that plan went from 16 to 15 to 9 now, so it, it won't happen now. But it was very much a 100% of money grab of epic proportions. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's coming down to... Well... It's, com- it's coming down to it. You know? Yeah, I mean, they, they said that, okay, you, you can do it if you want to, but your teams can't play in any other competitions, and oh yeah, your players can't play in any international competitions. Including? Including the World Cup. And that I think that was the straw that did it right there. Yeah, and I think a lot of guys went, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> the World Cup, I, even if I have a good career, I might get to play in two of them. Maybe three if I play a long time and I'm really good. I'm not passing up the one chance to do that just so my owner can make another couple hundred million and I still get paid whatever I was getting paid yeah, before. Exactly. So screw that noise, and down it went. Jeff, it's, any thoughts on this, Jeff? No, you guys are doing all right with it. Uh, I, <laughs> Jeff, I don't really. Guys are doing fine. <laughs> only time I really watch uh, soccer is usually World Cup. 
So yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I I kind of enjoy it, but there's there was already too many. I don't know that there's a there's not an equivalent in any other sport. They've got leagues in countries. They've got national leagues. They got seventy two divisions. There's forty two tournaments already. The last thing they needed was another competition. There's way too many of them all. It would be like the NBA having, okay, well, there's the these the league championship, and then oh, there's the international European championship, and there's a world one every couple of years in the Olympics and everything else. Like this is too much of it. But then again, too, it is also the biggest sport in the world. Whether right. you know North Americans don't, we're not really quite as fond of it as most places, but. Very I mean, true. There may be a market for all of that, maybe, but it ain't going to happen with any European Super League. <laughs> yeah, very true. I'll tell you what, we're going to take one more time out here and come back, and we're going to hit our NBA busts. We're going to have a good time with it, and we'll wrap up here this evening on Wide Men Can't Jump. Let's hear from our great sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets. We'll be back right after this. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop fun codes, vintage video game system, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right, if you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality product out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. And we're back. Thanks again to all of our great sponsors that helped bring the show. Without them, we could not bring the show to you. So we thank them for helping us make this show possible. All right, gentlemen. NBA draft bus. This was a... Uh, Seems like a fun topic. We didn't get to it last week because Jeff did bring up the Julian Edelman talk, and I'm glad he did. Made for some great conversation, and we had a good time talking about that. But now we're going to talk about the NBA draft bus because we had such a good time a few weeks ago talking about the Ryan Leafs of the world. 
But now we got to jump in here and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got number one. Well, you probably do, and I no, think most no, everybody. No, no. no, you won't. I've got number one, and you wouldn't right. have thought of it because I'm so far ahead of you guys. Go ahead. The number one NBA bust, draft bust. Yes. Robert Tractor Trailer. Because <laughs> yes. of the bust. Uh, I'll tell you what, he was a uh, not was, just not just his pick, but he had a pretty good chance. He, he he did have some man boobies. Uh, <laughs> I'm on a list here. Let's take a look at some of this here. Maybe you guys can. Jeff, I know, will probably remember most of these names. Yeah, this is according that. to Bleacher Report. Here's their list of the 15 biggest draft busts of all time in the NBA. Number 15, Joe Barry Carroll. I, I don't know. That. I don't know that. Don't know ring a bell. Yeah. Warriors traded Robert Parrish and the number three overall pick okay. to move up two spots to get Joe Barry Carroll, and the third pick that they traded turned out to be Kevin yeah, McHale. Yeah, I do. I knew that. According to this, Carroll acquired. The... <laughs> By the way, whoever came up with this, bravo. Carroll acquired the nickname Joe Barely Cares during his tenure in, in the Golden State because he often declined interviews and played with a very nonchalant demeanor. Ah. And yet, and yet, he lasted ten seasons. Yeah, apparently. I'll tell you what, Red Auerbach really uh, took these guys to school when it came to trades and rules. Oh like yeah, the yeah. Bird rule and getting Parrish, McHale. Look at that front line. They won three championships and was in, I believe, at least. Two or three, at least two other so, finals. So that seems to kind of be a thing in Boston. They can figure it out, man. Number fourteen on this list, and I know this one very well, Jeff. You will too. Joe Alexander taken number eight by the Bucks in two thousand and eight. We kept oh. telling him. Everybody told him. Stay yep. at least one more year. We all Go knew out. it too. We all yep. knew it. Here's uh, what they had to say about this. If you're drafted eighth overall, you had better score more than 282 points in your entire career. Alexander was pegged as the best athlete in the draft coming out of West Virginia. Unparalleled leaping ability and a lethal jump shot. Absolutely none of that translated into the NBA. He managed to last two seasons in the league and... Players taken behind him include Brooke Lopez, Roy Hibbert, Serge Ibaka, and Nick Batum. Oof. Hmm. Oof. Oof. That's some, that's, he was, that's some Mountaineer stank there. Hey, everybody at, the, at West Virginia University and every fan of West Virginia University said, that fool needs to stay. He wouldn't yeah. listen. So, so did he do it for the... Like, was this ego, or was it money, money, or... It was money, I assume, but it didn't work out. Yeah, he probably still got paid, though. Oh, I'm sure he made some, but not what he could have made. Number 13, Hashim the Beat. Memphis Grizzlies take him number two overall in 2009. He was heralded as the next Dikembe Mutombo. UConn, uh, right? Yep, UConn was seven foot three and was a great shot blocker. Um, however, Memphis sported an manic offense at the time and bypassed much of their capable players with the second pick. And they had already had Mark Gasol as their future center. So this turned out to be a waste. 
Hashim Thabit was traded after a season and a half in Memphis. He was taken before James Harden, Tyreek Evans, Ricky Rubio, and Stephen Curry in that draft. Whew. Wow. Well, they, he, they only get worse. Did he go on to a really long career at uh, dusting uh, custodial services at like a library or something? <laughs> yeah, he, he did a very good job getting those those high shelves. Uh, Marvin Williams from the Atlanta Hawks took him number two overall in 2005. He left North Carolina after his freshman season and was supposed to have the most potential in the draft. After seven years, it's safe to say his potential will always remain potential. <laughs> God. God. Yeah, that was a little bit abrupt. Jeez. <laughs> Williams was a solid producer, but he never developed into the star he was supposed to be. And he was taken, to be a stud. Yeah, he was. He and here were his guys he was taken before. Deron Williams, or Darren Williams, whichever way you Chris pronounce Paul. it. Chris Paul. Andrew Bynum. Well, there's uh, two key words there. North Carolina. Uh, he did end up playing for uh, the Hornets because Jordan has a hard-on for anybody that went to North Carolina. Mm. And you, you can admit that's true. I'm telling you. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's went out of his way several times to get some ink from the alumni. What a <laughs> Number 11, the Philadelphia 76ers with the number two pick in 1993 take Sean Bradley. I believe we just talked about him not we too did. long ago, did we not? We did. Yes, he's paralyzed. He had that bicycle accident. Here's what this article says, and I'm going to, this is not me, this is the article. What a glass of milk is to Oreo cookies is exactly what Sean Bradley was to the NBA. <laughs> In other words, Bradley got dunked on far more than he would have liked to be. Oh. God. Yeah. Here's some of the guys that Bradley was taken in front of. Penny Hardaway, Jamal Mashburn, Allen Houston. Mm. Oh, boy, here's was- another one. Here's another one that's going to make you scratch your head on this one. Jay Williams, Chicago Bulls, number two overall pick in 2002. See, that's, that's the injury thing we were talking about. A lot. Yeah. I mean, he had a motorcycle accident. And I don't know if he would have he he would have played a little bit longer. I don't know if he would have been. Well, you know, I'll, I'll agree with that in a way. Here, here's what it says here. Uh, was a great player. Uh, took him second overall. He was solid, solid rookie. Career was cut short when he crashed his motorcycle, severing a nerve in his leg and shredding three knee ligaments, including his ACL. Rehab was unsuccessful, and he hasn't stepped on a court since. They did not. However, this is the bonehead decision right here. Chicago moved on quickly and drafted Kirk Heinrich in the next draft. They did not have to pay Williams anything on his contract, though since he was violating it because he was still riding a motorcycle. Okay, so the, the injury is... The okay, injury that's, he can't help, but he could but have he was paid a, if he <laughs> not rode a motorcycle. But he was a bonehead. Yes, and he was taken before Amari Stoudemire and Karan Butler. Ah, here we go. Robert Tractor Trailer, Milwaukee yeah, Bucks, yeah. number six. I knew he would show up. <laughs> yes. He was uh, actually the Bucks took him. Dallas traded Robert traded trailer to the Milwaukee Bucks for the number nine pick and the number nineteen pick, which was used on Pat Garrity. The nineteenth pick was the ninth pick. Dirk Nowinski. Hmm. Well, what did he ever do? Yeah, 
He was taken, uh, Trailer was taken before Novinsky and Paul Pierce in that draft. And Trailer passed away of an unexpected heart attack in 2011. He was only 34. Oh, wait, well, hold on a minute. What do you mean unexpected? He was a big boy. He was a big guy, so not maybe quite as unexpected as age-wise, maybe. And here, in 86 was a bad year for, for drafts. Number eight on this list, Chris Washburn. From Golden State, the Warriors took him number three. Uh, number two overall pick, Lynn Bias, died two days after the draft. Uh, and then drug use also took out William Bedford and Roy Tarpley, which was number six and number seven in that draft. Damn. Washburn, after getting caught stealing a stereo while enrolled at NC State, was well known for having no work ethic, and Golden State still deemed him too good to pass up. And the 86 draft did not produce very many great players, so in that aspect, it was not the worst year for a swing and a miss. In three years, he failed three drug tests and was banned from the NBA for life. He was taken before Ron Harper, John Sally, Del Curry, and Arvidaeus Sabonis. Another bust. Go ahead, I'm Jeff. I'm just wondering when, I mean, I would think, and he may, maybe you haven't got to him, but Kwame Brown will be on the list. Oh, hold your water, Jeff. We're only at number seven here. Okay. Number seven, number three overall pick, the Bobcats select, Gonzaga flop Adam Morrison. Oh, but what a hairdo. Here's uh, the article again, just classic. Morrison came out of Gonzaga as the most prolific scorer in the draft. He averaged 28 points per game during his junior season. Sadly, he left all that scoring ability out in Spokane. (laughs) (laughs) God, it's true though morrison was the first pick of the michael jordan uh was michael jordan's first pick of the draft as head honcho in charlotte needs to say he whiffed on that one much like he did during his baseball career a once highly regarded scorer was able to churn out 37 percent shooting in an underwhelming stint in the league he was taken before brandon roy rudy gay and rajon rondo he always you know, he looked like that there he was, was so good in college, though. He I was, mean, but he was so good. He always looked to me like he should have been the poster boy for stoners. He, uh, you know, he got a ring. He was on those Lakers teams that won. I remember that he did get a ring. Yeah, he's got a memorial spot on the end of the bench too. Jeff, your boy Kwame Brown in at number six, the number one overall pick in two thousand and one. <laughs> Oh, man. It says here, had Kwame Brown not still been playing in the NBA 12 years after being taken first overall, he'd be a lot higher on this list. The 01 draft was also terrible at the time, but the number one pick, more you expect more than a career average of 6.6 points per game. Jordan's first draft pick did not even remotely live up to the hype. At seven feet tall, Kwame could barely palm a basketball. Whew. After three seasons in Washington, Brown was truly starting to improve before rejecting a $30 million contract offered a test-free agency. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. His career was not gone without controversy as he had gone through a 2007 arrest, a rape accusation, and an incident where he threw a cake at a fan. Apparently, Brown meant to throw the cake at Ronnie Turrioff. I guess he's, his small hands backfired on him again. <laughs> God! Who wrote, Who wrote this for you? I gotta find this out. Somebody. Justin Hussong. Oh, man. 
either full marks to him or I want to know who his comedy writer is because he's had some zingers. Tyson Chandler, Pal Gasol, Jason Richardson, Joe Johnson, and Zach Randolph were taken after Brown in this draft. Well, here's a throwback. Here's one I don't even know. LaRue Martin, number one draft pick of the Portland Trailblazers in 72. Martin had the least productive career of all first-round draft picks. He averaged 5.3 points per game in a four-year career. He's not higher on the list because the 72 draft was nothing to write home about. Despite the lack of talent, there were better options than drafting a 208-pound center out of Loyola University. He only shot 41% from the floor despite being seven foot tall, blocked a, sh- a shot per game, a half a shot per game, and couldn't even crack the starting lineup. He was taken before Bob McAdoo and uh, some guy named Dr. J. Julius Irving. Now here's one we're going to chalk up to the injuries again. Uh, Greg Oden. Uh, Greg Oden got taken before Durant. Um, yeah, obviously you probably should have taken Durant, but... You know, Odin was a monster, and and I if, if if I didn't know what I knew now, I still say Odin was the right pick. I really do. Yeah, I mean, he had a great career at Ohio State, about beat Florida in the championship, and uh, yeah. it's a shame what he was a one man show at Ohio State too. He really was. He about led him to a championship and uh, by himself on. Practically, I mean, he had a, really a, was by himself. He was a good player, but uh, it's really a shame what happened. I mean, and you know, he kept trying to come back and coming back. He just, he just, it didn't work out He's, for him. I think he made two or three comebacks, but just didn't work out. Well, we're going to see more from Portland here shortly. Durant, Horford, and Noah were taken before we're taken after him in the draft, but I still say, at the time, you couldn't blame Portland for taking Odin. You just couldn't. Number three, Michael Olamacandy, number one in 98. A candy man. Olamacandy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, seven-footer out of Pacific University. Somebody said drafting him first, first overall was never a good idea. Even worse, he did not begin playing organized basketball until he was 18. No, that's not a typo. <laughs> Kind of like the Joe Alexander thing. Everybody kept telling the Clippers not to do that, not yeah. to pick him. I mean, well, here's a couple of guys they, they could have taken way. instead of the Candyman: Mike Bibby, Antoine Jameson, Vince Carter, Dirk Nowitzki, and Paul Pierce. Not a, oh, ladies not and gentlemen, not a lot of talent there. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who number one and number two are, and you're just wondering what step we're going to be in, let's clear this up right now. Number two. The Detroit Pistons, with the second overall pick in oh. 2003, take Darko Milicic. Mm. Oh, and here's the article that it was put up. For this one, I blame scouts and general managers. Every seven-foot European prospect gets pegged as the next Novinsky, and none of them have become even remotely close. Milicic should have never been selected this high, even at the time it was blasphemous. By now, everyone knows who else was taken along with him, in the top five, Detroit was more in a position to be drafting for need as it was an absolute best team in the league at the time. Milicic looks inept when he's on the court. Although he has managed to hang around 10 seasons, he's never shown glimpses of what made him a number two pick. Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh were selected after Darko Milicic. I mean, they came close to winning the lottery. Imagine them having the first pick and being able to get LeBron. Yeah, they would have got LeBron. That would have been ridiculous. I can't remember whose pick they had. 
Uh, but I they had can't some, remember either. But they ended up with – and everybody told Joe Dumars, take Mel or Wade or somebody other than Milicic. Of course, they didn't. Well, I think we should clear – this should be cleared up as who number one is going to be. Uh, Sam Bowie. Yeah, that's what I was going to guess. Oh, okay, hold on a minute. Not, not, not that I don't disagree with that. I, I, I'm okay with that. Big country's not on this list anywhere? <laughs> Big country. <laughs> God, I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah, well, that's how bad that's how bad it was. I mean, he was gonna he was gonna save the or not save. He was gonna make the NBA in Vancouver great. Well, Bryant Reeves, while taking number sixth overall, I mean, we could look at that draft and see. You know, he played in Vancouver for a while. A lot of pressure too. Well, he did average sixteen and a half points per game one year. Man, that's not yeah. terrible. All Sixteen I and a half points per is, game with uh, eight rebounds. I mean, that's not a terrible, really. Dri- drive to Vancouver and say his name. Oh no, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> yeah. and then good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that stupid. I'm, I'm not going to do that. But anyway, back to Sam. Yeah, Bowie. Sam Bowie. Obviously, that's the guy that you know. You hate to see it. Uh, you know, obviously he was. But you know, there were some signs here. Here's what uh, our boy had to say about this. Sorry, Portland. Maybe you should just stop drafting centers. Bowie missed two full seasons at Kentucky after suffering stress fractures in his legs. Whatever. He's 7-1. What could go wrong? Apparently everything. Bowie was only able to play in 139 games in five years with Portland and before salvaging a bit of hope during a solid four years with the Nets. Also, oh yeah, some guy named Michael Jordan was drafted third overall, one pick after him. That's why he gets Number one, he gets in trouble because of Jordan being who he is and what he's always done. Well, yeah, I mean, Elijah one goes one, then Bowie, and then Jordan's there. Don't forget John Stockton and Charles Barkley were in that draft, too. Oh, man. So, I mean, it's... Okay, but, but look at it this way, though, and it's hard to do because you can't erase what you know. Yeah, you can't. You know, okay, but if you look at that that year in the draft is that not not being armed with all the information you have now is that that crazy honestly no because if you remember they didn't they did that and the reason why they went ahead and took took him was because they had Clyde Drexler they didn't need Michael right. Jordan you know that's well, that's really the argument there is oh they didn't need him now granted i mean People thought Michael would be good, but I don't think anybody thought he would turn out to be what he turned out to be either. Also, uh, Tim, just a little quick aside here. Uh, Big country, people taking after him. I mean, honestly, nobody really stands out that much. Brent Berry, Theo Ratliff, Michael Finley. Maybe that might be more because a lot of people in Vancouver blame him for the franchise not doing well and, and it moving. Maybe. So that might be but more like guys upset. taken before him. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised Joe Smith wasn't on this list. Oh my God! Yeah. What? Well, a, what a, I yeah. mean, Jerry Stackhouse, Rasheed Wallace had a good career. Garnett was taken right before Old Big Country, but people after him were not really nothing. But yeah, I mean, Portland. I can't blame them for for that pick. It's just it's hard to sit here and say, hey, we passed up on the greatest NBA player of all right. time for this guy who, yeah, he was tall. 
What else was he? Well, he well, was that, tall. Uh, that's seven foot. That's seven. When that's the first number of your height, that just gets intoxicating at draft time. It does. And, and don't forget, <laughs> you, you'll notice this. Seven footers get way more chances in the league than anybody else. Anytime it's like, oh, it's all right. He's seven foot. Maybe he can develop or. Well, you can't teach tall, right? No, no, you can't. You can't. There's a good so... backstory about this. Uh, just to clear it up, and you're right. You know, you had they took Clyde Drexler the year before, but if you remember the 1984 Olympics, uh, I think maybe we've talked about this before. I can't remember, but for sure. But um, who was Jordan's coach at the 84 Olympics? Do y'all know? Oh God. Um... Wasn't it the guy? From, was it, it the guy? Was it Daly? I was going to say, wasn't it the guy uh, from the Pistons? That was ninety-two. That okh was, was ninety-two. Eighty-four when only college student. Remember, oh, was it Bobby, 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 Bobby Knight? Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight. <laughs> it was Bobby Knight. Okay, so mm-hmm. Port, he comes out and says, "Well, Portland's GM yeah. asked him, who should we take it to if Elijah Wan's gone?'" And he says, oh, that's easy. Take Jordan. <laughs> and that guy says, we don't need Jordan. We got a center. We we need a center. And yeah. That's what we would talk about. Well, Knight's reply is, play Lame him at center. Play him at center. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. My, um, argument, my argument would be a team with Clyde Drexler and Michael Jordan on it doesn't need a center. <laughs> well, at the time, remember, centers were the rave. I mean, in 80s. I know, but. You had to have a decent center to make a run back then. I mean, you had Jabbar, you had you know, all those guys that were doing that back in the 80s. So, I mean, I get the appeal. It looks like madness now, but at the same time, it's like... I said, hindsight is very much 2020 with is. a lot of this stuff. So It is, and I'll tell you what, it's uh, getting late here on the East Coast, so we're going to wrap it up tonight for another edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. Don't forget, next week, the NFL Draft Special... Jeff, come with your first round ready to go. Tim, uh, you know, you and Frank can put together a couple ha-has for us. Uh, so, Nate we'll, Bush selected first. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> we'll have a good time, though, next week. Looking forward to it. Yeah. NFL Draft's always a good time. And uh, Jeff, is it uh, is it Wednesday where you are? Just about. That's, yeah. okay. I, I thought you were over in Serbia. He's in parts unknown. Remember, you got to go uh, through Dudleyville. Oh, Rio de Janeiro. Right past the Bowery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not touching that. Bang, Bangor, Bang, Bangor, Maine. So it's Bangor, pretty late. Maine. Yeah, Bangor, Maine. Well, I thought maybe you were hanging out, like maybe at like Chappaquiddick. That's, a, that, poll. that's a poll oh, for that's a, a lot of people, probably. But yeah, you, that's a, not, not too far away. Kennebunkport. Well, he's on the train to Bangkok aboard the Thailand Express. That's a Rush song right there, Passage to Bangkok. All right, no one knows that. So. I know, but I do. And on that note, we're going to call it a night. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next week for the NFL Draft Special. He's Jeff. I'm Nate. And uh, I guess we'll let Tim and send it home this week. Go ahead, Tim. I don't want to send it home. I'm at, I'm at home. What do you want me to do? Put a lot of pressure on me. All right, we're done. Thanks for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WMCJ. 
check us out there and download our podcast directly from Anchor or subscribe on one of the many platforms where we're located, including iTunes, Spotify, and more. Thanks to our great sponsors for making this program possible, New Taylor & Associates at newlawoffice.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, Strip Cam Fun at stripcamfun.com, as well as Stay Classy Meats, located at stayclassymeats.com. Use our promo code WIDEMEN and save 10% on your order. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Sports Talk with Nate and Tim, and we hope you come back and join us again for our next episode at the same spot you found it last time. Thanks again to the wonderful Horseburner for providing our intro song, as well as all the other content they bring out. Check them out on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump. We hope to see you back next time. For Tim, this is Nate saying so long for now, and we'll see you again on the next edition of Wide Men Can't Jump.